Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Okay, good morning. This is um, day number two of Grace-Based Parenting, Why Well-Meaning Parents Fall Short. And uh, welcome to class this morning. First of all, some announcements for you if you're listening online. Uh, These are a little time sensitive. Uh, We have color code for adults. If you've not been through the color code and you are interested in that, it's next week, September 28th and 29th. Um, This is about improving your marriage and your relationships. So if you're interested in that, take that and um, you can go ahead and sign up and there's an online test that you would take beforehand and then come together and hear about uh, what your personality is and a little bit about how to communicate with each other. Um, The second one on there is the gospel-centered parenting. Um, Last semester, uh, College Heights Christian Church through Titus Neuenschwander approached us to try to put some uh, resources together from our two churches on parenting, and we had our very first gospel-centered parenting um, experience at College Heights, and we're going to just shift back and forth between the two churches. So um, this year, on October the 6th, we are having um, the Gospel-Centered Parenting on Saturday morning here. Um, and all the information is on the back for you. And there's a sign-up uh, online for you if you're interested in doing that. Um, and there's more information um, on the card and online. Uh, but if you're interested in um, taking a look at parenting, we're using Paul David Tripp's material. Uh, there's a book that he wrote called Parenting. And uh, we are excerpting two chapters out of that each time. And um, this year, um, what we're going to be doing is Titus is going to be presenting on one of those chapters. And I'm going to be giving some practical application of that. And then we have a panel. So it's really a lot of fun. Um, so you're welcome to uh, take a look at that and sign up for it. Uh, you also have the Right Now Media card on your uh, table. So um, the, the way that Right Now Media has set this up is anybody that is affiliated with the church um, is able to use Right Now Media. So if you have a friend that is interested in going through this and or talking with you about it, you can have them sign up with Christ Church of Ornogo's uh, Right Now Media so that you can use Use this as either um, an education tool, an opportunity for you to work with some friends that are struggling with uh, parenting and go through some of the same material, and they can listen to these um, online presentations as well. So if you're not on Right Now Media and would like to do that, please take a look at that. Um, What I'd like to do today as we get started is give you a little bit of opportunity to talk in your groups uh, that you're in about last week, uh, how your last week went, and if you tried any of the these um, ideas about truth and grace and how easy or difficult that was uh, for you to be able to do that. So we're going to spend probably about five or seven minutes, maybe just depends on how much you feel like talking. Um, and if we use up that time, uh, then what we'll do is talk a little bit about the um, 
the what we're going to be doing today, and then we'll watch the video, and then we'll process that video similarly to last week. Um, so we're going to use that same format. Let me um, open up with a word of prayer, and then um, I'm just going to turn you loose to talk about your week, and if there were some of these grace-based ideas that you used, and what you thought about that, how easy or difficult it was for you, and um, just give you an opportunity to share with each other uh, what you're learning, what you like, uh, what you think about some of this uh, material that you're going through. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have as brothers and sisters in the Lord to meet together in fellowship and in study. Lord, we meet around your word and ask that you would teach us about yourself because you want us to be a reflection of you in the world. And we are studying what it means to have this blend of grace and truth together. And as we unpack that even further and we take a look at some of the models that are out there about parenting that actually backfire, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know how well we are doing. Because those models live in all of us. I mean, I've been parenting for years and I still have within me uh, models that if I use them actually don't work so well. And so we would just ask that we would dine and feast on your word and your truths, and that as a community, we would study together, we would support each other together, we would laugh together, we would be um, real in as much as we can in this environment, and find support and strength that we might do better about reflecting you within our families. Lord, I am reminded with what my daughter said when she was graduating from high school, when she said, Dad, I really felt like I didn't need to rebel because you didn't ask us to do anything that you were not already doing. And I think that is one of the most important elements that Tim Kimmel is going to be talking to us about throughout this whole series, is that as we become more like you, we invite our children to be more like you because we become their model. And that's what we're asking for, is that when we cradle our children all the way to when they go off um, to explore the world with relationships or they even leave and go to college, that they would have you embedded within their souls by our model, by the study of the word, by the fellowship that they have within these communities. So, Lord, we pray that you would help for us to see our part, see your part, and see how we can put that together to the betterment of our children. Bless us, Lord, in that endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a few minutes to talk about your week with each other. I'm going to just move around, so please ignore me unless you have a question. be happy to answer that. Um, And just pretend I'm not here. That's great. Okay, we are going to uh, look at uh, grace-based parenting number two, Why Well-Meaning Parents Fall Short. It's page 19 in your book. Um, If you miss uh, filling it in, uh, check with somebody else here. I've got my book. It's all filled in. Be happy to give those to you. So just keep on going if for some reason you get distracted in some way. So let's take a look at this, and then we'll process uh, this grace-based parenting section when we're done. That was uh, a great expose of what not to do. So, um, just so you you know that as Adam and I are putting this material together, we believe in setting a model in front of you about what to do. So I want to give you a little bit of information before you talk today about what you can do instead of these different models. If you don't know what to do, you will continue to do what you know how to do. So if you don't know what a grace-based model looks like or how that might work for you, 
uh, you will accidentally keep falling back into what is familiar. So one of our goals is to give you some skills on what you could do uh, in any area that you want to shift from one of these more um, counterproductive models that might be inside of you to a model that is going to be more grace-centered. So um, Adam and I worked on this handout for you. It's just one sheet. The first page talks about um, American research um, of three different parenting styles. Uh, the top parenting style on there, uh, the, the first parenting style, is the authoritarian parenting style. And this is a high authority um, and a low love. And I put it down here in this area uh, where you've got, well, actually it should be over here, sorry. Ah, should be over here in this crushing experience. It falls high, high authority, and low love. Um, this is a way that you push your children into gangs. It's a way that you push them away from you. So this, this is something that has a high standard, but not a lot of nurture and care. So when you're looking at yourself, this tends to fall more toward people who are more analytical. Uh, it tends to fall more toward fathers than mothers, not exclusively so. So if you're looking a little bit at um, your own parenting styles as couples, if you're um, married and you're parenting with somebody, this tends to be more male-like of just get her done. I don't really care how you feel and get going. Um, the second parenting style is the permissive parenting style. And this is low on authority and high on love. And I put this over here on enablement. Um, and this is actually the American parenting style. This is give them everything they want. We don't want you to cry. This is why Walmart has suckers and all kinds of things at the checkout. Those are our our worst times with our kids because we would, we, if we made it through, then we had our last fight right there. Because some way, somehow, selfishness and I want is in the heart of every child. And that's hard for them to manage when you take them out. And so this permissive style tends to be the American parenting style. Also, it tends to be more the mom's parenting style uh, because moms tend to want their kids to feel happy and do okay. And they, especially if you're a stay at home mom, you get tired of whining and complaining. We get that. Um, and so sometimes it's easier to kind of cajole them along. The bottom one is the authoritative parenting style. And this is one that we're calling the grace-based parenting style. And this is a combination of the very best of the other two. And on the back sheet is the model for you, the back side of that. Um, I went through this and I selected ways in which God demonstrates this high authority. He is the sovereign God as well as I love you to death. Those two elements put together in is the grace-based model, and it exists on a continuum. Sometimes you just got to toe the line. You, the room has to be cleaned. We're eating at 5.30. You're not going to be using your phone right now. That's just the way that it is. At other times, you can negotiate, and you can work on some things, and those don't have to be quite as firmly structured for you, and this is the combination of how do you blend those two elements together, and it takes wisdom to do that. So one of the things that um, Adam and I would encourage encourage you to be praying about is the wisdom to know how to have the right blend every day.
And this was the struggle that I had. I'm more of the no-nonsense, get-her-done sort of thing. My wife is the more, hey, let me just kind of work with you. And the goal that we had was how does that work together so that there is a consistency about what our children could expect, what are those boundaries, and what are the nurturing expectations. And each day that was shown a little differently. And what Adam and I want to do is help you with some regular structures with that, as well as just helping you think a little bit more on your feet. Uh, While I was listening to this group down here, um, two ideas came to my mind about a way that this blended for us that worked really well, and I put them up here. if you've heard me speak before, I've talked a lot about storytelling. Um, and we did this all the way through um, our teenage years with our children. We, we modified the way that we did this. But it started with um, Silly Sally stories. And that's the Silly Sally for boys. It was Goofy Gordon um, in another family. But basically, this was a storytelling about a regular child who was the age of your own child. We did this every night before our children went to bed and then before we went to a new experience. So every wedding, every funeral, when we went to Walmart, when we would go to church, we would tell a Silly Sally story in a parking lot. And basically, Silly Sally would do everything incorrectly the way that our kids would. And eventually, our kids were like, oh, wow, Silly Sally does that too. I do that. Oh, yes, you've noticed that. You are such a smart little girl. That's really great. And Silly Sally would get in trouble in exactly the same ways that our kids would. And then we would retell the story about how Silly Sally would choose correctly. What did Silly Sally need to do? Because we love stories. I mean, you can think of your favorite parable. We love stories. And so we would tell the story a second time for each of the areas that our kids would get in trouble. And uh, we used this up to about age six. And then we changed to what we called Helga stories. Uh, we didn't know anybody whose name was Sally. And we didn't know anybody whose name was Helga. So you have to pick somebody who doesn't live around here. Because the minute they run across a Helga, you know what they're going to think. Oh, those are all about you. And Helga would do the things that they would do, like at Walmart, and Helga would kind of like run through the store and, you know, not like something and pitch a fit. She would change tags on things. Um, She would get really angry about little tiny things that were going on. She would knock stuff over, not clean it up. Um, But Helga became the person in the elementary school years that would do the same thing. And then she would do just silly, funny, inappropriate things that weren't morally wrong that my kids might do and they thought it was funny and Helga would get in trouble every single time. And then Helga would have to go back through and think through what would I need to do correctly because here's where we're going. At some point in time, my kids would be at a friend's house and there would be the opportunity to have alcohol, pornography, break a law, stay out past curfew. And what I was trying to do all the way through their growing up years was to connect them with a grace-based parenting so that when I was not around, that entire way of viewing life was already embedded in their souls. And they got to see how it worked. And so every night when we tucked them in bed, they got a Silly Sally story when I was at home. Vanna very rarely told a Silly Sally story. She doesn't feel like she's very creative. And I love telling Silly Sally stories uh, because I love getting Silly Sally in trouble and then sitting with my kids saying, what should Silly Sally do? So we would tell the story and when we get there, I would say, well, what should Silly Sally do instead? Because I'm checking with them. Do you know what to do? Here's, here's a really important thing. Your children will know what to do before they can do it consistently. 
And what the Silly Sally story does is help them think through, how do I do that? It's a model for them. Secondly, your children will behave better for other people than they will for you. And so sometimes I would loan them out. <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can go over to your friend's house, and then I would talk to those people and say, would you mind like, cleaning your living room and having my kids help? Because I want to know if they can do it <laughs> without complaining. Because they would actually have to demonstrate at home that they had a skill before they could go somewhere else. So if they had a bad day, they couldn't go over to somebody else's house. And I said, you, we're not exporting a bad behavior. All the way through high school, you, if you need to go to an event like a concert, you can go with a bad attitude as long as you don't get in trouble. But you don't get to do anything after that. We kept our commitment, but you lost your social socialization because you're not taking this bad attitude and how much you don't like your parents and sending that through the entire system of your friends. So you had to be put together to be able to do that. And we'd work with them on doing that when they got to be high schoolers. But this whole idea is to give them a model, and then I would just talk with them about what they could do. What was really fun is when we would tell the Silly Sally Goofy Gordon stories, they would eventually say, please don't get Silly Sally in trouble. Please don't get Silly Sally in trouble. Please, Like, like it was my fault that it was Silly Sally got in trouble. <laughs> no, no, Silly Sally isn't all put together. She's a broken girl. So even on a good day, your kids are going to have a bad moment, right? Even on a good day, they're going to somehow fall apart. And so I say, oh, Silly Sally just can't help it today and silly sally would be in less trouble overall but still get in trouble and she would always have a mom and a dad that would help her to move forward it's really really important the second thing is uh, we're listening to um, time negative behavior negative attention is better than no attention at all and so if you get really busy with something, your kids will misbehave because they know that you'll stop and deal with them. I mean, it's just is, it just is the way that it is, and, and we understand that. So uh, when we were at the children's home and we would have 12 kids in a house, I would work with the house parents, and they would hand out coupons for time, like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and they'd hand a bunch of them out, and it was just a little bit of time where a child could come up and say, I'd really like to spend some time with you. Now, if that mom was in the middle of doing something and something would burn, she would have to finish that and then she could spend some time but it was that child was the next person up and it would be yes I will spend some time with you because you're asking for it so you might want to start with five minutes because what kids are looking for is a touch Will you spend a little bit of time with me? And you could give them a little bit more time. And then what I did is I loved playing with Legos. And so we bought Legos. Uh, I like Tinker Toys. I like Lincoln Logs. I like Legos, anything to build. And so we have these great big tubs now of Legos that we've, we're saving for our future grandchildren if we ever have them. And um, they're just like tubs everywhere. And um, when our kids would want to do things with us, I would say, how would you like to play Legos? And um, eight out of ten times or so, they would say, okay. Because all they did is they want to spend time with me. And then we would just build stuff together for a while. And so what I learned was it was storytelling, it was Legos, maybe it was playing outside a little bit. We would tend to do the same kinds of things over and over again. But it was you can interrupt me because I'd rather you interrupt me and ask me for time than punch your brother in the face. <laughs> I would rather, I'd rather that you do that because you know you would have my attention then, but you would have so much of my attention that you wouldn't like it. So I would just give that to you as a, as a vehicle for them to ask for you. Um, and then when all the coupons are gone, you can always hand them back um, after a little while. You're going, Phew, okay, we got rid of those 10 coupons. Don't let them spend them all in one day because then it's going to be, not, you could say you can spend three in a day. Or something, and they can just kind of different colors for different kinds of things or whatever you might want to do, okay? So, um, 
this grace-based parenting on the back sheet here, if you just turn to here, and then I'm going to let you guys talk for a little bit. And then Adam and I would like to answer any questions that you have before we leave today. But as you look at this backside of the grace-based parenting, from parents clearly in charge all the way down to encourage independence and autonomy, um, what we spent a lot of time on talking about was this, this right kind of blend of authority and nurture is that what can I do in order to, and I want to say it to you this way, capture the heart of your child. Every single day, you must capture the heart of your child to bring your child to you. Because if you don't capture the heart of your child, something else will. It'll be a game. It will be a friend. Uh, when, when a child is older, it will be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, it might be an online secret relationship that somehow works really well in my mind but doesn't work in the real world. And so my goal was every single day, and I didn't grow up in this family. My dad was very indifferent. This is a real challenge for me is what can I do to help you know that I'm connected to you? So we'd have special handshakes, or I would, I would say their morning prayer with them. I would take them to school. My wife is a school teacher in Carl Junction. She left early, and I would take them to school. I made special arrangements uh, that no matter what, I, when I worked at Ozark Christian College, I would start at 8. My kids would get dropped off before then. Sometimes I was barely there on time. told all my students, hey, i got to get in the line of public school. Sometimes I'm going to be late, like when it first glosses over with ice, but I will be here. Or I will call somebody and let them know that I can't. And so I made these arrangements so that I could have that touch on all my kids all the way up until they got their car. And then they prayed with me before they walked out the door. That was my touch of, hey, just wanna, I want to remind you, I love you and I care about you and what's going on today. And then when I would come home, I would find them and I would ask them about their day. And if they were busy doing something, I just said, hey, dad's home, I'll talk to you later. And I made sure that before they went to bed, um, from the time that my children could really interact with me, I would find out how they were doing. And then I would tell them something like this, I'm so glad God made you and gave you to me in the family. I'm so glad. And here are some things that you do really, really well. I know today was kind of rough. Because not only do you do, do, things, do, do, you do those good things really well, but you argue really well too. <laughs> and I want to teach you how to argue correctly. But you can't argue like that with your mom and have a good result happen. That is the wrong person to argue with. And I want you to know that you can talk to me about what you might not like because I like that. But also, you are always the child. And I want you to know that I am clearly in charge. (laughs) I I am the parent. And I want to be the best parent possible. So I might ask you, well, if you don't like that, what could we do instead? What could we do instead? And from the time that they were little, I kept asking them what would be meaningful for you. And if I liked it, it was okay. If I didn't like it, then we wouldn't do it. And I kept trying to find the right blend of daddy's in charge, mommy's in charge. But I want you to have a say because I want you to know that we love and we care about you. So you're seeing the word T-I-M-E in here. I didn't watch a lot of TV. I didn't have a lot of outside hobbies. I I just kind of came home and I invested in my kids because I thought that if I invested in my kids, it would cost less than paying for therapy and rehab when they were older. I mean, I actually thought about that. And I thought, I can give this up right now because of the investment that I'm putting into their lives. So, um, this is a prayer list for you. I want to give it to you. Adam and I want to give this to you as a way that you can begin praying, Lord, help me to figure this out as we go along in our class. So, it's quarter after. I'd like to give you um, maybe eight or so minutes to just talk in your groups about something that caught your attention from the video, something that we're talking about, uh, something about the model 
model? What is a model that you're kind of catching on that um, you want to do or what's something that maybe you're struggling with that you're trying to replace? So for me, um, I was a yeller. And I had to replace yelling. I actually have a contract with my son, Austin. I have it up in my room that I will not yell at him. And I actually wrote it all out for him. And he signed it, and I signed it. And it has conditions in it, but it is a contract. And it took me two years to stop being a yeller. And it was, it was so important that our kids said, yeah, come to our house. My parents don't yell at us. And, and their friends said, oh, that's impossible. All parents yell at their children. And they would sneak them in the house and they would just sit around and they would talk later. And they said, oh, yeah, your parents don't yell. What's wrong with them? And I didn't know that we were like monkeys in a cage, that we were being on display for my kids' friends in high school. But I had gotten rid of it by that time and it made a huge impact. That was one of my things. I, that was one of my negative parenting styles that was a gift from my family that I need to get rid of. Um, something that I did a really, really good job with is I'm really analytical, and I like to tell people why things work. And so I would always tell our kids, hey, this is how a lawnmower works. This is how creation works. This is why a meal tastes really, really good. That was really easy for me to lean into that strength and then to show them how to kind of blend those things together. So I did some things really well, and I did some things that I, it took two years to change. That's the conversation I want you to begin thinking of. What do you do well? What, is, what are some of these things that you like? And maybe what's one, one thing or two things that you really want to do a better job at? So I'm going to turn this off, give you about eight minutes or so, and then um, we will actually be out of time. This goes way, way too fast. So, um, And if you have questions, Adam and I would like to answer those at that time. So you can call us over also during this time period if you've got any questions about these things. That would be great. So I'm going to turn this off so that you will not be recorded for the Internet. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> We're going to need to uh, finish up. It's just a few minutes left to go. And um, Adam and I wanted to answer any questions that you might have on a practical nature or anything before 1030. So any questions that you might have from last week, from the way that this is structured, from any of the suggestions. We, we want you to still keep working through the suggestions from last week. Um, add some from this week. We don't want to give you too much to do, but if there's a particular mm -hmm. question that you think might be valuable that we could answer right here, we'd love to do that before we end today. Yes, Mike. So, when I'm thinking of this like high controlling or punitive type of a response versus a firm mm -hmm. parenting mm -hmm. you know, response with well-reasoned and maybe you're even communicating but I'm picturing that the kid's not emotionally capable of hearing that. And if you just, you're controlling on the front end, mm -hmm. maybe you're, you know, in, in line with this authoritative versus authoritarian. Right. And you're trying to communicate, and you are communicating, and you're mm -hmm. loving in how you're doing it, but it's not what they want, so they've gone to their place of what they want. Yeah. So I'm picturing them just not hearing it, and from their mm -hmm. standpoint, they're authoritarian. Right, right. From the parent's standpoint, you're being authoritative. Right, right. And I'm just, yeah. And if that just repeats itself over the course of the kid's life, then from their perspective, you're authoritarian. Yes. Yeah, let me, let me just restate that for the online people. How do you, the question really is, how do you shift from an authoritarian standpoint in the mind's eye of a child to an authoritative one where they can look fairly similar in the moment. So let me give you a couple of big benchmarks for you. Um, there needs to be some kind of ongoing regular nurturing that's happening that no matter what you're giving that to your kids. 
so that you have regular interaction with them that's positive. So you're either um, telling them things that you appreciate about them, you're catching them, being successful and mentioning that to them, you're saying you did a really good job washing the dishes, you did a really great job with your attitude tonight, I told you that you had X number more minutes and you did a really good job with that. And so what you're doing is that you're handing them a lot of really positives on the same basis because research indicates that one negative sort of negates a whole bunch of positives. So in academic research now they're saying you should have 11 positives for every negative that you say. And families often have way more negatives than they have positives because we just don't identify and state the good things that are going on. So it could be as simple as I saw that you made your bed this morning it looks really great. That's, that's really, really good. I mean, something that simple. So what you want to do is build this foundation underneath. And once you start, you have to keep doing it. Because once you stop, they think you're mad at them. So that's one of the dangers of, of this approach. And then what you do is when you talk with them about um, an issue, if they're really angry with you or you perceive that they're not tracking with you, then what you have to do is manage it right at that moment until their emotions go back down. And after their emotions go back down, then you can talk about it. And you can talk about how they perceive you when they're angry. Because um, they will perceive you as being hostile toward them in some way. Um, And people need more emotional space. So if you're really close to them, they will actually perceive you as invading their space. It's about 25 feet. So when they're really, really angry with you, if you're within 25 feet, they will say you're in my face. So get out of my face. But when you're not angry, we can be up like this and we can have a conversation just fine, but this is way too close if I'm really, really ticked at Scooty. Uh, because if he moves toward me, it's like I need, I know, I need, I need way more space. So emotionally, if you catch that, you could just simply say, hey, I see that um, there's just a lot of frustration right now in this moment and um, I want to let that frustration pass. But this is what we're going to do until the frustration is over. You can stay in the house. You can go to your room. Um, I want to come and talk to you. You could say you're not in as much trouble as maybe you feel that you're in. You want to be really simple and clear, but you can't process with that high level of emotion, which is what I think is a part of your question that you're asking. Then when that emotion goes back down, and for a teenager, it can be two days before you process. For a preschooler, it has to be immediately because then they lose it. So what you have to do is determine how quickly do I need to process so that you actually connect this emotional experience, this behavior with who I want you to be and how I want to manage that. So you can actually extend it on out. So a lot of times we used a room as a get it together place. Uh, so it's kind of like an adult timeout, basically. Go to your room. When you, when you calm down and we can talk, then you can come back on out. Or when you have it together, you can come back out. So it's kind of like autocorrect. And then we would talk about it. And I would say that probably most of the time they would go in their room and then they would come out too fast. And they still couldn't do it. And we say, well, that, that was just too fast. So you need to be in your room now for, you know, try, try five minutes and see. And they could do anything they wanted to in their room. They could be on the phone as long as they managed it well. Um, they could play whatever they wanted to. And then you can go ahead and come back on out. The goal was to get that emotion down. And then you could have that conversation. So if you try to do too much too quickly, it actually aggravates it and you end up in a big fight. And then your tone changes, and the minute your tone changes to kind of like this, guess what you're doing to them? You're yelling. This is yelling at them. I don't believe that you would say that I'm yelling at you because I'm working really hard to not rip your face off. This is not yelling. 
Um, and they, they can't, emotionally that's what they're going to say. Is you're, you're lecturing and you're yelling and you don't love me and, you don't, and d- don't buy into that. If you, if, you, if you get trapped into that, that's that little hook, then, then stop, pull back and say, that's not the way that I want to react to you. What I want to do is recognize that when we get off with each other, that's a really good way to talk about it. When we get off with each other, um, we need to just kind of emotionally calm down because we need to come back and we need to figure out what our next steps are. So working on that then is you set the boundaries for managing and then you come back and you can kind of negotiate those. What would you say, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. I think to reiterate the point uh, that Peter made is that you can't withdraw from a bank you haven't made a deposit in. And so we always want to sow grace and then we can come with challenge or we can come with you know, more disciplinary statements. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Great question. Others that you might have? I love doing this with you, and I want to say I really appreciate your comments. I want you to come and say how well things are going and what's going on, because as we do that together, there are lots and lots of choices and resources that are available. So if you get stuck, you got you have a, a child that's doing the same thing over and over again, and you're trying lots of different things to to overcome that, and you can't do that. This is a great place to ask us, you know, either one of us, because I can't tell you how many times that happened to me. I actually went to people and said, you have to help me with this kid because everything that I'm doing is making it worse because I'm trying to do a better job. And I actually had to learn some new skills that I wasn't all that great at. But it was because of a fellowship of people that I felt like I could ask questions about really, really helped me. So I just want to say that's we want to use this as kind of that launching off pad. I know you got to get going too if you need to stay after. Um, I have to go pray with somebody, so I'm going to skedaddle. Adam will have to get on stage here in a little bit. So if you could stay for just a little bit and grab... If you want to, if you want to talk to either one of us, please email us or if you... I know most of you don't have my number, but we'd be happy to engage you outside of the class also for some of these things. So please let us know about that. Let's close with a word of prayer. And um, thank you so much for coming today. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your kindness. And the fact that in this environment, in your kingdom, we are trying to raise children who love you. And each child is different. Uh, The environment keeps changing. During the day, uh, we actually have better and not so great moments sometimes. And our children wear out or they just need help getting to the end in a really good way. So we invite you in this process again and ask for your wisdom and your grace and to know a little bit about how this works together for us so that we can move forward and we can really enjoy what it means to be parents and really turn our kids loose as world changers ultimately for your glory. No matter what they do, no matter where they go, they would be attached to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.